Do you get tired of hearing the same old intros to podcast episodes? Me too. Hi, I'm not Jen. I'm Jessica, and I'm in rural East Panama. Jen has just created a new way for listeners to record the introductions to podcast episodes, and I got to test it out. There's no other resource out there quite like your parenting mojo, which doesn't just tell you about the latest scientific research on parenting and child development, but puts it in context for you as well, so you can decide whether and how to use this new information. If you'd like to get new episodes in your inbox, along with a free infographic on 13 reasons your child isn't listening to you and what to do about each one, sign up at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash subscribe and come over to our free Facebook group to continue the conversation about this episode. You can also thank Jen for this episode by donating to keep the podcast ad-free by going to the page for this or any other episode on yourparentingmojo.com. If you'd like to start a conversation with someone about this episode or know someone who would find it useful, please forward it to them. Over time, you're going to get sick of hearing me read this intro as well, so come and record one yourself. You can read from a script she's provided or have some real fun with it and write your own. Just go to yourparentingmojo.com and click read the intro. I can't wait to hear yours. Hello and welcome to the Your Parenting Mojo podcast. Today I'm here with two special parents, Sarah and Declan, who were having some communication challenges when I met them. You'll hear in the conversation that they found conflict really difficult, even when the cause was seemingly very simple. Declan might get home and start preparing a meal that began with defrosting meat instead of getting leftovers on the table quickly, and Sarah would say, why on earth would you do that? Accompanied by the facial expression that I'm sure you've never used when your spouse did something that didn't make sense to you. I just want to shout out to Jen, to your Parenting Mojo team, and to all of the members. I am so grateful that we get to be doing this work together. I am so much more comfortable with the person that I am today and I am so much more content because I know that I have this community that is there to support me and to really just allow me to be me. The parenting membership is now open for enrollment but only until midnight Pacific on Wednesday, May 15th. We have sliding scale pricing and a 100% money back guarantee. Join now to get access to everything you need to make the change that you want to see in your family life at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash parenting membership. And then as soon as she realized there was a rupture, she would do everything she could to repair, wanting to talk about it immediately and fix the situation when Declan wasn't ready to do that yet. He realized that she was really trying to fix the hurts that she was still carrying from her childhood, rather than make amends with him about this situation. They thought they wanted to work with me to get support with their parenting, but their marriage ended up being the biggest beneficiary of all. So do listen for how Sarah and Declan made that shift. And then at the end, I share some more ideas as well for when you wish your partner was on the same page as you from a parenting perspective, and there's a wide gulf between you at the moment. Hello and welcome to the Your Parenting Mojo podcast. We are here today with two very special guests, Sarah and Declan, who are joining us from, I think, somewhere in Western Australia. We've had some time zone confusion. (laughs) Sarah and Declan, welcome. It's great to have you here. I wonder if you wouldn't mind letting us know who you are, where you are in the world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, uh, Yeah, we live in Western Australia, in the the southwest of WA, on Canyon Country. There's five of us. So there's Sarah, myself, we have three kids, Arlo, who's five, who's three, and Albie, who's one, or 18 months. I'm a paediatric speech therapist, and Declan's a psychologist. We're renovating. Yeah, our life is quite chaotic at the moment because we're renovating. Declan's just started a small business, so we're running a private practice as well. I've returned to work part-time. Um, and we're also homeschooling. This is our first year, sort of more formalised homeschooling. So, yeah, okay. there's a bit going on, but a little bit. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> there's a lot going on in your lives, and I'm also curious about kind of how you got to this point, right? What was growing up like for you? So we're both sort of from like white middle class families, so we've, we do have a lot of privilege. We sort of both had quite. I'd say we describe them as sort of happy childhoods, but then I think 
going through, like we've been able to sort of unpack a bit about the things that have shown up. And definitely for me, it's really been a process of sort of understanding how intergenerational trauma I think has shown up in my family specifically. And that's probably what we spend a lot of time discussing. I remember I always had a very close relationship with my mum. So yeah, we were, we were very close, but there were sort of ways that her childhood showed up like in our family and definitely in my relationship with her. She was a very nurturing mum and she sort of ex- experienced quite a lot of ne- emotional neglect as she was growing up. I think that made her really focused on words of love and affirmation and praise. And she definitely said all the right things, but she was quite anxious mum and and there were other things as well. She sort of had undiagnosed postpartum depression. Depression. She had me and my brother very close, so we were 14 months apart. She didn't have a lot of family support as well. So, yeah, and I think it sort of changed, like, as I was growing up through some early work that I've done through Taming Your Triggers. That's probably the first time that I really have talked to my mum about certain different things and talking about my early childhood because there was really sort of no stories about me having a hard time, like as a toddler, having tantrums or, you know, when I was talking about the big feelings thing and I was sort of like, oh, okay. But Declan had sort of said, that's pretty unusual (laughs) for a toddler. And obviously we, at that time, we were going through some things with my little girl who was two and so fiery and having all of these big feelings, which was quite confronting for me because I think I thought of having a little girl, I just, I think I assumed unconsciously that she would be like me as a child. And as a child, I was very shy and quiet, which my parents did comment on a lot in introductions or to explain like how I was and how I showed up in the world. So yeah, I've talked around it a bit now, but that's sort of the first time that we sort of were talking about those things. And I think that's when I was able to sort of piece together that even from that really young age, like two, three, that I'd already already learned that it was my job to not give mum a hard time because she was having such a hard time. And my brother definitely, he did express his big feelings and he did take more time and energy to parent and to regulate. They needed to spend time putting him to bed every night, you know, until he was five. That was a big, like, story in our family. So I think that was my job. And that definitely carried through probably until the teenage years where more conflict started showing up. And, again, that's where some of the interplay between my mum's upbringing and mine came to a head was obviously as a teenager I wanted to start socializing more, going to parties, perhaps sleepovers, And that's sort of when a lot of things came up for my parents and they were quite strict and controlling during that kind of time because of all the things from like my mum's childhood. And I think that led to quite some sort of repeated like ruptures in our relationship, which we always were able to repair. But now that I know more about repairing, it wasn't necessarily functional repair in those situations where I would get quite upset, we would have really long discussions and talk it through until the point where we were able to like emotionally reconnect. But I think it was sort of basically how it came to was any decision that was made, I sort of just had to accept that. And I kind of learned that I just wasn't allowed to have negative feelings around that. And then it was also my job probably to make my mum feel okay yeah, it's almost like you were parenting yourself, right? It is, yeah. Once you stopped being the shy little girl and started to have your own ideas, your parents didn't know what to do with that until you realized, okay, it's better not to just say anything, better to keep the peace. That's hard. Even though it's you started out by describing it as a pretty happy childhood, there's still a lot of hard stuff there. So Declan, I wonder, can you tell us a little bit about what your life was like growing up? I think it was a pretty good childhood overall. We were kind of opposite. We didn't talk about our feelings very much. <laughs> so if there was conflict, everyone would kind of go away and disappear for a while and mm. come back a few hours later and pretend like nothing happened. So that was kind of how we resolved conflict. Mum and Dad were just, they were right. 
there wasn't much in the way of discussions around our experiences and our needs. It was just what they thought about something was right. So most of the time it doesn't a problem, like because we were all kind of just fine and we had a pretty easy life, so there wasn't kind of much in the way of difficulties. So there are a few key moments that really, like I have a few key memories of times that approach was just not particularly good. It obviously left a mark. We spent a lot of time together, but I don't think we were particularly close because we didn't share like our emotional experiences. So we would we talked like heaps, like all the time about we had family dinners and we talk about politics and like world events and history and all this kind of stuff. So we always had these like really robust discussions, but yeah, we weren't actually we didn't know anything about each other's lives really. Yeah. As I got older, as we all got older, that kind of got more noticeable because you know you're not spending so much time together. You know you spend more time with friends. And then when kind of we all started to move out, that's, you know, obviously when those kind of things came obvious. So that was like the main feature of, of my upbringing is that we were, we just didn't share a lot emotionally. So I had to do like a lot of the regulating myself, which I think is fine because I'm naturally a fairly like even person. So that wasn't kind of too difficult, but certainly I think had some effects that have not, like have come out in our relationship and in parenting. Um, <laughs> really? <laughs> Tell me more. <laughs> so, yeah, my like my mum was the caring one. My dad was the authoritarian, so he would kind of stomp down if like if something wasn't happening. And what are you doing? And he'd, he'd yell or be or be the stern one. And he would often have the rules. I remember he had a car that had when you locked it, it made a beep. And we weren't like watch TV during at, during the week, but I watched TV during the week because he he would always come home really late from work. And I'd hear that beep and I'd like turn off the TV and, you know, start running around, pretend like, you know, make it seem like I haven't been watching the TV and those kind of things where I knew that he would respond with like a bit more aggression and, and anger. So whereas mum wouldn't kind of, wouldn't generally do that. She was like the softer one and that was kind of the role that she was able to take on. But she did then use guilt sometimes as a means to kind of like, yeah. Ensure compliance. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. But yeah, that's kind of my my family, my upbringing. So, so you two came together. I know you've been together for a really long time. <laughs> you know each other pretty well by this time. I'm guessing you sort of thought that things were kind of on an even keel and we keep going and you become parents and it'll be good. And so what was that like? <laughs> yeah, we, we have known each other for a really long time. Like we've been friends since we were 10 years old and been together for 15 years this year. I think we feel as though we had a much more smooth transition to parenthood than perhaps other people that we know because of a lot of the things. We've been living together since the first year of our relationship. So in terms of a lot of those amalgamation of household things and the roles that you play within that and all that kind of stuff, we'd talked a lot about. And and we'd already done, like, our values stuff even before we had kids. When we were, like, kind of mid-20s, we were were talking about what our values are and what that might look like, you know, in our our life. So, yeah, we'd done some of that work before we had Mm -hmm. kids. Yeah. What was Um, important to you at that point? What were some of those values that really stood out? I think the cool thing that we found was when we did our values, like, separately and we put them together, the top three were the same. Um, Just, like, time. Which was... Time family and health was sort of our top ones. And then the other ones were different, kind of more, I think it was like adventure or like learning or, you know, those sort of different things. And I think that's where we were sort of able to identify, oh, this is where like conflict, you know, does come up for us and that's interesting. So we did have that in our minds, how important Mm. having values like aligning was like in our partnership. And when we had Arlo, it wasn't like just having one kid we didn't find too challenging. He didn't sleep very well for the first kind of six months. He didn't really sleep at all for the first six months. But we got through it okay because we just kind of like came up with a plan and worked together, you know. So we we found a, a system that worked for us. And then we just did that until things got better. So you were able to get through this transition with the younger kids, probably partly because Declan's not as triggered by their behavior when they're so young and because you have developed this kind of teamwork strategy that you've sort of perfected going through three kids now. Yeah. And then they get older and they start doing different stuff, right? So (laughs) what was the, the getting transitioning to having older kids like? It was more the introduction of the other kids. 
an expanding of the needs that were yes. to be met, that was probably the thing we found difficult rather than the particular ages. So even with the second baby, I found that I was, like it's not probably until the third round that mm-hmm. I started to have, you know, more yeah. difficulty, whereas you found like Arlo and when Odette came along, that was a bit harder for you. That's when it started to get a bit harder for you, hey? Yeah, I think I sort of, that. yeah, like I said, one, we do have quite content babies, so that's been really wonderful for, for us. Aside from the sleeping thing. Apart from the sleeping, but they've always been happy, you know, if they're being held. We haven't had to deal with those situations that I know where parents have dysregulated infants and even if you're holding them, they're screaming. So it's more been, yeah, as I said, that like toddler transition phase. So I don't really have remember having those hard parenting moments until he was sort of two and a half, which was when Odette was starting to sort of crawl for the first time. And that was confronting. And I think that's when I doubled down on parenting research, which had been the theme from for us from the start that I was sort of launched straight in to parenting research and doing it right from the start. So it wasn't until, yeah, our third little one. And I think it's with us learning about the window of tolerance as well, it all makes a lot of sense now because we can see that it wasn't just an additional baby, but it was like as well the renovations. Because when we say renovations, we don't just mean like paintings. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> We haven't had a kitchen for two years. You know, we haven't had a kitchen sink. The bathrooms, we didn't have, like, really finished bathrooms. So that's sort of been happening this whole time over this transition to us becoming a family of five. And we've just been having babies during this time, whilst also, like, Declan has been the one doing most of the work on our house. And as I, yeah, and I said, we've just also started, (laughs) we were sort of thinking about starting a business and, so it's all sort of mm-hmm. all of those things were like culminating to I think reduce increase the chaos and as Declan said the needs because again they're all under five and a half still so everybody has a lot of needs and often at the same moment. Mm-hmm. How was that coming up for you Sarah? Were there were there certain types of interactions that were particularly challenging or do you remember a specific thing that really kind of set you off? Yeah I think it was it's been especially my little girl so when she, so when Albie, our baby was born, she just turned two and yeah. And from a child development point of view, you know, we really understood like this is that time when they're like developing their independence and they're realizing that they're a separate person from you and all of the conversations that I have with parents, <laughs> you know, every day, but that was sort of showing up, you know, really for the first time quite intensely. And that was the most difficult thing I think I've come across in terms of feelings because I just, during those moments where she was having a hard time, it was so difficult for me to connect with her and to comfort her. And that was so confronting because obviously like the comfort and the connection that had been something that we were really easily and naturally able to do when they were babies and as infants. And then this was sort of happening. And I think especially as well, things started happening where I was having a really difficult time in that moment and it was just showing up really weirdly like the chaos would be happening and Odette would be melting down and have a hard time and then I'd just be like have power like cleaning and like organizing you know to try and like because in my mind I'm thinking right she's hungry and those kids are hungry and so I just need to get through all of these tasks and then I can sit down and be with her. Well that was one of your anxiety strategies when you're like in your early 20s and stuff like you if you felt really anxious you would clean the house yeah. and if the house order, was clean, yeah. there would be order and you would you'd be able to think a bit more clearly so I think you would you were just kind of falling back into that yeah trying to bring order to the chaos but what we sort of saw in that time was then Odette was she'd really just seek out Declan straight away so she'd be like melting down and she would just like turn around and she would just like run to him And what I noticed was because he would just stop whatever he was doing and he would be late for work (laughs) Um, quite a lot during those early times because, and what I noticed about what he did is he would just connect with her physically. So as he was getting ready, he'd just be like carrying her around, you know, from room to room and that would be really calming for her. So I think I started to sort of tune in 
to the difficulties that I was having and then also watching like how she was responding in different situations and that's when I was like <gasps> one my anxiety came up a lot because I was like I need to do things differently like you can see and I do that fast forward thing <laughs> where I'm like oh no like this couldn't potentially really impact on our relationship if she learns so early that she can't come to me with hard feelings yeah so that was I think that was the point where you started to do a lot of more research yeah. on parenting and stuff. And that's how um, Sarah found your podcast around that time. Yeah. And Declan, I guess I'm also curious because I can see that you're a real stabilizing force <laughs> in the family. And also you have this kind of compliance oriented background from your dad, right? And I'm wondering, does that create conflicts that are difficult for you to navigate? Difficult to see, like, how do I respond in this moment when I grew up with this model and yet I have this very different personality? How does that show up for you? So I think I have a pull when Sarah's upset to, like I, you know, naturally just start feeling a little bit like anxious and guilty. So then I'm trying to work on, my focus then turns towards like making, you know, maybe the kids okay to give Sarah space or try and make things better for her. So that's probably what comes up. I mean, at that time in particular as well, that's what came up a lot then. So, I mean, that, that would, yeah, it depends on what the situation was of what, what I would do. Sometimes I would help with the cleaning. Other times I would just try and take on kind of all the, all like the, the childcare role during that time. Yeah. So that was, I think that's how my childhood came up in those times is that yeah. I would kind of just focus on trying to make Sarah feel better and kind of, yeah, mm. just be really worried about that. I think there were times when, like if Sarah was having a hard time and, you know, like then I, I would feel like that I'm not yeah, doing things right because she wasn't okay. And and I think we probably had a bit at different times, like through how we've transitioned from multi, from different children, we have had different times where the person who is taking on the majority of the caring, which has been me, <laughs> that person gets really good at figuring out like how to do the things and do the routines. And we definitely moved through periods of navigating that. Like I recognized that I couldn't just be like, this is how we do it now. Yeah. <laughs> like this is the routine. It's a sleeping bag at this time. Yeah. That would definitely show up. Like I, like if, when I would take on those, parenting things I would do things slower or differently <laughs> like packing the bags is a great example yeah uh, like I tended towards just like either not packing enough or packing too much depending on whether or not I was you know so I just start shoving stuff into the bag like oh I'll just try to take lots of stuff and I'm sure it'll be fine or just not packing enough and being like oh whatever it'll be fine but either way um, I like four shirts and no pants yeah so <laughs> but yeah then Sarah would be like that's not how you pack the bag or that's not how you make the snacks or all that kind of stuff. And so I would feel that's when my kind of parenting confidence, I would feel challenged in that. But I think like in between those times, like, the, like, like I was always aware that it wasn't actually what, like how Sarah felt or how I felt. It was just how I was feeling. But I didn't, I, I never found it really difficult, I guess, because. And I think as, as little things have come up, we always have sort of discussed those, like during those moments, like then Declan has always been able or been able to show me that he's received that as criticism and that doesn't feel good to him in those situations. So then we're always sort of like editing that, how we're approaching those situations and learning together, like that that's not a good way of empowering someone or increasing their confidence in certain situations. Yeah. So, yeah. I think... When Sarah was first started researching, like, parenting, I definitely took on more of, like, the, the negative, not not negative, but, like, pushback more, more on, on the ideas. Um, he, I guess we sort of described it as Declan sort of, it's more like having veto powers. I would come with my research and my spiel and, like, this is what I've learned and this is how I see it showing up and this is how I think we can handle it. Yeah. And I think we identified that in those situations, sometimes it could end up as a bit of a, like a debate and interrogation. I would need to like make the case like, okay, so this is what I found. And then, and definitely sort of maybe during that time, maybe asking questions or challenging things. Yes. I like, I 
when Sarah came, you know, she, she'd done like hours of research and I'd be like, mm, I'm not too sure about that one. <laughs> Putting my psychologist <laughs> yeah. hat on for a moment. <laughs> that, that was a part of it, like being a, I only, only kind of got fully registered in 2017 when Arlo was born. So I'd only been a psychologist for kind of two years when we started having these hard times. And so I, you know, obviously I was way too overconfident in my level of knowledge at that time. And so, yeah, I kind of thought that I, I knew a lot of stuff. So when Sarah would come with an idea, I'd be like, oh, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Oh, I, don't, I, I disagree about this thing or that thing. And, uh, and probably the details, because as we say, our values were always sort of aligning underneath this sort of thing. But again, I think that's when we were able to start, start having those conversations. And I think part of those conversations, we were able to sort of identify some how patriarchy was sort of like showing up in situations like that. Yeah, I took on a little more kind of the masculine kind of role of we'll be fine. There's nothing wrong. It's all right. Like we just need to just, you know, yeah, we don't have to kind of make a big deal out of it kind of thing. Mm. And what was that like for you to receive, Sarah? I see you smiling. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think... As I sort of said, Declan is very easygoing and he's sort of just happy to sort of accept things and take things as they are. And obviously I am that recovering perfectionist personality, you know, and wanting to do things right and always like be better and do better. But I think in our relationship, we've always just been able to say, like I was able to say how I was receiving that feedback. I just was able to say like, this feels like an interrogation. I've done this because... I want this for our family and this is how it aligns with what we want and what we've decided as like our, our values. And then we're sort of just able to zoom out and definitely this is very good at that. I think naturally because of the work, especially that you do, he does hear a lot from people, from parents and the person who's in that nurturing role. So a lot of mums and he gets a bit of that insight into those traditional dynamics. So you're sort of able to very easily be like, Oh yeah, I can see how, this isn't like an ideal place that we don't want to be this and that teamwork is a value of ours. Then, yeah. yeah, so that, that was my, my initial response was with those things, but I think we tended to be able to work through it fairly quickly once yeah. Sarah kind of explained like her, how that made her feel, that like I wasn't valuing her, you know, that made mm. her feel really yeah like that I was just dismissing her kind of ideas and the effort and like the labor that she'd put into this thing so I was kind of able to move through that fairly quickly yeah so it seems like having having these shared values has been really important to you for a really long time now and it almost seems like joining the membership was an extension of those values it's like how are we putting those values into effect but I'm guessing that there were some hang-ups like there was some moments where you're like ah I don't know if we really want to do this. Are we going to spend the money? What, what was that process like? So Sarah done taming your triggers and found that pretty, like that was a pretty big step forward. But then it's just, you know, it's only a short kind of time and then you kind of want, you know, on your own again. And so. And I think the, the process of doing that, I know you talk a lot, Jen, about non-cognitive shifts and I was sort of joking that I didn't receive one of those with <laughs> when I signed up with naming your trigger and I think again the perfection I think it was really hard for me to feel like I wasn't doing as well as other people and my beautiful um accounter buddies during that time were perhaps older and able to get some of that and assimilate the, the things so I knew that I just needed to keep going and I and I needed more support so the main the main worries were like again like the, it it flashes back up, you know, from time to time. The whole I'm sure we don't need that. I'm sure we've got you know we've got your podcast which is like hit all the information. You know we've got you know you determining your triggers like you know we've got enough to kind of go on with. And then the money aspect of it as as well. I tend to be a bit stingy sometimes with with money. So, you know, anytime there's just money to be spent, I'm like, oh no, like, I don't know if we should do that. So that were the, probably the two main concerns. But again, once Sarah was able to kind of explain, you know, her, why it was important to her. Yeah. And ultimately, like, it's not hard, it wasn't hard to kind of be like, yep, all right, let, let's do this. Mm-hmm. But they were probably the two biggest barriers from my perspective. And also we were concerned about, concerned about time, obviously. Yeah. Because we don't really have any. <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So how has that part been then? Yeah. <laughs> Being, we've been surprised because we definitely don't like, ideally I see us, you know, working through every single part of the module and having really long discussions about like, all of the parts of it and how we're going to practically incorporate it. But it's been like a really learn, like more learning for me, definitely getting on board with Declan. We, how we sort of have, I guess, have made it a part of our routine is we meet with our action group once a week at the same time. And that's provided so much structure for us. And it's just like, it's like a reset point every week that we talk about parenting. So even if we, things are shambles and we don't get all the way, we don't have time to work through like the content. We still have one little tiny goal that we've talked about or that we've said, and it's just being able to show up in a community because we don't, we don't have a lot of like-minded community in terms of the way that we, we want to parent. So being able to do that and come and we do the call together every week. I think that's, that was the beauty of the membership is that you can kind of how much or how little you engage with the content kind is really flexible. So there, there have been times where we've done the modules. We've always sat down and watched them and had good conversations. Yeah. Had good conversations about it. And other times where we haven't touched a module in two or three months, but you know, with the coaching, the action groups are still there. And so that you're always in giving work, even on times where it, there's, you don't have the time to kind of, put towards it and then, then we'll have more time and we'll, we'll kind of catch back up on some of the modules and engage more fully with it and so yeah that's what's been really nice about it i think the other difference in particular about the parenting membership compared to like taming your triggers is that we're doing it together whereas taming your triggers sarah did it and so she would kind of come and share ideas with me but we weren't in it as like a team and i think the parenting as a team module in the in the membership was like obviously a really good yeah. Kind of summary of why that's important because we weren't a team. It was like Sarah was doing work on her stuff and I was just like there to listen about the interesting stuff that she's learning about. And so whereas when yeah, we've kind of made it so that the the membership is something that we're doing together. So we're we're both working on it. So it's not Sarah's struggles and my struggles, it's like our struggles. And I think that that kind of small kind of shift has made a big difference in, mm. in how we're supporting each other and how we kind of feel about the whole whole situation and, and, all, and all that kind of stuff so yeah and so I'm thinking about how is it different being in the membership versus just listening to the podcast and that's so the things I'm hearing from you are it's sort of having the modules to guide you through it's having the the community like the action groups every week if you want to join which you don't have to join but if you want to join to provide that structure kind of a gentle accountability to keep showing up and then the way that you approach it you know you can send a podcast episode to your partner and say hey listen to this and, and then you get into the discussions that you used to have and but it seems as though you fundamentally shifted how you show up in parenting uh, because you've made this decision to do this as a team so is, is that kind of the main differences between just kind of listening to the podcast and getting what you get out of that and being in the membership do you think definitely like as I said we we listened to the podcast from really early on I think from when I was born 2017 and we were always having those discussions around like isn't this interesting and oh yeah I haven't thought about that and that made me realize this or that came up um, on this topic so we were having those like intellectual conversations, I think, and identifying the things that fit into our parenting philosophy, but it was sort of like up at that level and not necessarily changing what we were doing day to day. I've had an amazing five years as part of the membership. And I think for me, the most noteworthy thing is that I came looking for more tools and more information to meet the situation as it was when I joined. And what I got was so much more than that. And the real value has been in my own personal development, in the clarity I've had towards what my own expectations were for my family and for myself, and being able to move away from how do I fix this problem that's coming up for me right now, and more towards how can I embody my own values and be the person and the parent I want to be, and learn to follow my own inner compass as we go through challenging times. Parenting membership is now open for enrollment, but only until midnight Pacific on Wednesday, May 15th. We have sliding scale pricing and a 100% money back guarantee. 
Join now to get access to everything you need to make the change that you want to see in your family life at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash parenting membership. And I, I think that's the difference as well as that the podcast, we were having to do all the work to try and apply it to see how it fits into our lives. And I think our jobs probably made that easier for us because, but it was still really hard. It's still hard to try and piece everything together. I think one of the things when you're kind of thinking about your, your parenting philosophy, you're hearing from all these different sources and trying to see how they all, they all kind of talk about things slightly differently, but you connect with all of them. And so it's about how do you, how do you piece them all together? Whereas I think we just found the membership, like, because you just kind of, you're in it more and, um, yeah, like there's just more opportunity to like kind of talk about it and see how other people are maybe using like through circle, like seeing how other people are using, um, you know, different ideas and just talking things through with the action group, like it all just and like really and personalizes it a lot more. And I think that was the big thing is that, yeah, it made it kind of yeah easier to action that kind of stuff. Yeah. It provided like this, I think, as I said, it's like, it's been really the routine has given us like a framework around coming together that now it's it's so much more practical I think than we've ever done before and there was this transition point realizing that we have these values as a family and as a parenting team but a lot of the time especially when we're going through that really hard time initially that our daily actions weren't aligning with that and we were seeing some confronting things come up where I was like intellectually I have understood everything that I've heard on the podcast that I've read in all these parenting books and I wasn't able to I was still having such a difficult time like and I wasn't showing up with the kids how I wanted to and I think it was just it's been hearing other parents talk about that especially in their membership in the action group that they're saying we're still here we're still showing up and and we've had other girls or other members of our group who have been in there for like you know two years and it's saying I still find this hard and that's been that's where I've been able to access self-compassion which I've never been able to really before when they say to me yeah that's that's still really hard and this last week was still really hard and I need to go back and, and look at this, that's probably since that's been such a healing thing for me to hear them say that. Yeah. Yeah. The community aspect is so important. And the other thing I'm thinking about is I think it's a much more common dynamic among parents for the female oriented partner to be the one who's doing all this research and for the male oriented partner to be the one who's sort of putting the kibosh on everything. And Declan, you're, you're kind of showing up a little bit differently here, right? There are many parents who are like, yeah, I wish my partner would get on a call and, and we would talk about parenting together and that's never going to happen. And so I'm wondering if either of you have any thoughts on what to say to particularly a female oriented parent, but really any parent whose spouse is just like, you know what? I just don't think it's worth the money. I don't think it's worth the time. I don't think this is worth doing. What would you say to that parent? Oh, it's really hard. We, we were thinking about this actually. And-, and we were talking about how it's like, it does often, like you say, the female oriented partner is often the one who's trying to like sell these ideas and you're trying to come and I've had experiences of that. Yeah. Like you're trying to come with your spiel and your research and your evidence and do the absolute best job you can of like selling something and convincing the other person. I think ultimately that's, there's an unfairness to that. It's important to kind of acknowledge. It's sad that, you know, you have to try and like get evidence up and ready to go and try and convince the other person. And I think Declan said, you sort of said that it's, it isn't like kind of about mums doing more. It yeah. is about like the. Yeah. It's, it's really about the partner, the person who's like, reluctant or resistant is actually them doing some work it's not about oh finding the right combination of things to say or the female oriented partner doing things differently because that has that i guess is like the patriarchy kind of thing in action so it's hard like i don't like there's things that they could do but i don't know whether it's that's fair to, to say to, mm. like to tell them but the, and i guess when i asked if i'm like oh kind of like what would you say the one thing that you sort of said, if it was you in that position, you sort of said you would ask questions. Yeah. So if I was like talking to another, another dad, let's say, and they had the concerns, yeah, I, I would be curious 
and why are you so worried about this? In that role that I, I have a different dynamic with that person, so what would come up would be different and what they feel comfortable kind of, like they wouldn't obviously be as comfortable to disagree in some cases. So I think the way that I, I was thinking about this is in terms of the parenting as a team thing as like the core. And I think one of the, I think the things is, is that idea that both parents' performance is like separate. That's probably like a really maybe a useful kind of avenue for people to talk to their partner about, right? Is that it's not, I'm a parent over here and you're a parent over there. And if you're having a hard time, well, that's your business and you need to sort it out. Because that's not how it is. Like you're parenting together. And I think that's probably the avenue that I would suggest people could go down. And I think like a sports analogy here is pretty perfect. If you're on a team and one of your, like one of your teammates isn't, Performing well, if they get injured, you don't just be like, well, that's your problem. I'm not helping you out anymore. Why do you let them score a goal? (laughs) Definitely don't do multiple sports analogies. (laughs) Yeah. So you you wouldn't do that. That's not like a natural sport. If your teammate came up and said, why didn't you help your teammate? And so it's their injury. It's like their problem. They should just try harder and do better and just sort it out for themselves. So, you know, as a team, you support each other. You might go over and cover that person's position while they're injured or if you see they're struggling with something, you like give them ideas about what they could do or if they're in their head about something, you know, if you know psychologically they're in their head during a game or something, you would go over and be like, come on, it's right, you can do this, let's work through this together. You know, you'd be very teamwork. And so I think that kind of approach in parenting may help, that kind of framework might help some people have those discussions because I think that's probably the key thing is you can't separate people's issues out I think that's been the difference for us is when we kind of we chucked all our issues in together and we're going to work on them together that's kind of when things really start to turn around for us mm-hmm. yeah and also seeing this in the framework of your values has been so important to yeah. you right you think of that can help a lot of parents to say okay well if we have these values and these things are really important to us why are we doing yeah. these things <laughs> yeah because if they're not aligned so maybe bringing it back to a framework of values as well could be helpful and I definitely think your idea about getting curious like if we haven't had that conversation about what are our values to really understand what are our partner's values and then okay well if, if that's so important to us why are we doing this so and I think in those conversations around anything that's important in a couple in a partnership when we're having those conversations about parenting about money like whatever it is, making those really difficult decisions, your relationship patterns show up however they are going to show up. So whatever patterns you bring to that will show up in those conversations. So if you are in that dynamic where the other parent feels criticised because they have had those micro hurts or feelings of non-competence when, like, you're dissing them about how they've packed the nappy bag, um, you know, that shows up later and I think creates a dynamic where, which we've been in before, where the other person feels like they have to defend or feels like that you're saying we're not doing good, like we're not doing well. And the mindset obviously of me and perhaps people who identify like how I do in these situations is like I just want us to do better and and I want to figure it out because I need help. But if you're that other parent who is more easygoing, then you can sort of show up just like, I think we're fine. Let's just calm down. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which wasn't necessarily working so well. So what's different now, right? I mean, Sarah, you mentioned a little self-compassion that wasn't there before. What what else is different now? The biggest thing that we've noticed, because it's not that things aren't less chaotic, Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, yeah, <I'm> still <laughs> you still have a kitchen sink. Um, Kids still have really big feelings. Arlo and so our like oldest and our middle child, they they play great sometimes, but they'll still fight a lot. I think it's our how we communicate and how we work through those difficult moments is what's changed and what's got a lot smoother. And we've noticed over the last year since more showing up together and doing this work it's been the shift in our relationship and how we navigate our conflict that has been the, we've seen the biggest changes, like things that we haven't able been able to figure out over 15 years. Like we were stuck in some certain patterns and I'm just sort of thinking of a specific coaching call that we had with you, Jen, that was really the turning point. <laughs> you said something so simple <laughs> into and speaking into a pattern that we were, were just playing out repetitively you remember what that was yeah (laughs) so 
our pattern of pattern for us is that I guess. So uh, Sarah wants to kind of over talk about when we have difficult moments and I, I guess, tend, tend towards that just going away, having space, coming back together when we're feeling a bit calmer, as well as kind of often in those moments if Sarah's feeling really upset, I don't feel held emotionally. And so I think the thing you, you said to do was just to, rather than getting into it, just acknowledge that we're having a really hard time and that maybe we need to either talk about it now or we can go away and talk about it later, but we're just having a really hard time and just really acknowledge what's kind of happening in the situation. And I think it was the example, like in the coaching call, it was a bit of a funny one. And it was sort of like an example of just like a dynamic shows up for us that again, those little microhertz or, or things that can be perceived as criticism, which I never mean, but when I'm in that efficient go parenting mode, trying to get order, like in the chaos that I can slip into, like, yeah, that's not how you pack the nappy bag. And I think that specific situation that we were talking about with you, Declan had chosen to make really elaborate dinner, like this cottage pie that, you know, required a lot of dot, like dicing and chopping. And there were these parts for a leftover dinner that could have been made really easy in the chaos and I'd sort of just snapped and been like why are you doing that leading to a little rupture and micro hurt and in those situations when I can see that that's what I've done that I've been critical and the hurt has sort of shown up yeah I launched straight into that dynamic of us of being like let's get into it let's talk about all of the feelings I want to know really talking about it and Declan had always said during those times like you're not holding space for me um like my I don't feel that my feelings are important and I just could not understand because during those moments I was beside myself like so just dysregulated and really and obviously now I can see it's like straight back to my childhood of those moments where I was feeling disconnected from my mum and that how that anxious attachment style really shows up that I would do or say whatever I could to reestablish connection with him. So he's been, had that feeling of being hurt and shut down, which again, a bit of family origin stuff showing up for us and him needing some time and space to just feel his feelings. And I want things to be better straight away. I want to reestablish connection with him and know that he's there with me and that I haven't like, you know, lost him. <laughs> And like, again, any of that negative feeling is so hard for me to hold. So I was straight into that and wanting it to be better straight away. And I think what you just said was, yeah, like, so, but have you just not talked about it? Have you just sort of said, oh, we're having a really hard time. Like, let's come back to this. And <laughs> that is something that we have never done. <laughs> Uh-huh. And like the only thing that we had never done. We had done every other possible thing. But it's when you sort of said that in that moment I was showing up as that little girl who was hurt and desperate for connection. Then when I was able to understand what Declan was actually saying, that, yeah, a little hurt little girl, someone who's feeling that can't hold space, can't truly um, reflect how that must have felt to have your just to be criticized and have your feelings hurt and that's the first time that I was able to see what he was saying because I think previously I'd just been hearing that as like you don't care and I was like how can you possibly think that that's the case I care so much about how you feel and wanting to re-establish connection with you but and that's something that I just missed. And I think this is the other thing about the membership is that we've had this conversation a lot, but because we we're always emotional while we we're having it, we never really were able to kind of move through it. Yeah. Whereas when you're in all the stuff in the membership, we've been like you're, you're usually calmer when you're in those space. And so yeah. it's easier to see where your patterns might be playing out and talk through what solutions there are or how the other person felt without kind of yeah, holding any kind of hurts or, you know, having a position that you're trying to argue from. So yeah. that's the other thing that's that's helped is that we've been able to talk through our stuff. Every Tuesday night. Every Tuesday or, or like outside of that. But mm. we tend to, we have more times now where we're doing that like calmly rather than mm -hmm. when we're in the middle of it. 
Yeah. And that make, that absolutely does make a huge difference, doesn't it? So what's life like now? I mean, obviously you're still renovating, you're still working, you still have three young kids, <laughs> but what, what's different now versus what you think the path you might've been on if you hadn't taken a step a year ago? Well, yeah, as I said, I think the patterns, I just wouldn't have been able to break that pattern because I just didn't see how it was all interlinked from that my mum's trauma to how I was parented to our relationship dynamics of both of our childhoods <laughs> of that family or origin things happening where Declan's family didn't talk about things. My family over talked about things and it was just like putting all of those pieces together within this structure. So yeah. So the main thing, obviously the values that that was the turning point for us because we've always been value oriented, but it was the parenting membership. Like that's the first modules is values. And it was that realization that the way that we were living our daily lives and how we're showing up with the kids didn't align for that. Like this is how we wanted to parent. And intellectually that was very easy for us to understand. There was no issues there with what we thought about all of these different things, but then we were still showing up in a way that didn't fit that. So that that definitely would still probably be happening. Yes, so we would having, be having those lots of internal conflict and external conflict about like our values not aligning with our actions. I think we would Sarah and I would probably be arguing more and like less productively. Um, and I know, like for me personally, I know I would probably still be playing out a lot of my like family of origin things around move around quietly and you know make sure things are cleaned or smoothed out a little bit so I think that kind of thing would definitely like we're noticing like I've noticed a lot a lot of the work we put in around the membership have focused on the kids their specific stuff that we're working through there's been huge jumps for that so our like our oldest he would often when he was starting something new he'd like to stay back he would feel a bit unsure about jumping into stuff and through like the stuff in the podcast and the membership we've learned a lot about how we have a plan for how to we've been approaching that yeah and he's like much more confident now he just kind of can come onto things and just participate fairly you know pretty much straight away now in a lot of cases and so like it's also little things like that right whereas if i think about what if we hadn't done it we wouldn't have had those productive conversations each week about how yeah. we're going to handle soccer training yeah this week within our action step because yeah. this is what's happening for me in those situations and this is how I've seen you handle it yeah. and we're just more we make plans every week that are like the actual practical things of how we show up with the kids and we're doing that within this chaotic time and that's that's been hard because I think previously I would have been like wait until there's the perfect time and we can get our matching notebooks and really study this. <laughs> so for just being in community, you have that accountability that you're going to talk about it. So you have to. So that just is so grounding for us and for me. Yeah. So I think there's so many little, there's probably, there's the big thing, which is, is us, but there's also lots of little things that I think would be really different as well in, in terms of what the kids are struggling with yeah, and how they're, like, connecting with each other. I, I know it would be different. I'm not sure yeah. entirely how, but I know that it probably wouldn't be where it is today. So, yeah. And the other thing I noticed in Sarah, and, and I'd love to hear your thought on this, Sarah, is I see you as, you know, not a person who was never triggered or flooded anymore, but you're on generally a bit more of an even keel right? It seems as though you're less uh, sort of really flustered by things that used to really fluster you. Is that right? Yeah. I think when we're thinking about having this conversation with you and thinking about, okay, like what's a specific example of when, you know, things have been different. And I was like, oh, things different. No, I'm still doing things. You know, I still get this wrong and this wrong and this wrong. But then I was thinking about that morning that just literally just happened and Declan had had a really late night and was feeling tired coming into the morning chaos and, you know, the baby's <laughs> crying because he's hangry from as soon as he wakes up 
and Arlo's just <laughs> scootering inside and launching himself from the scooter onto the couch. And Odette starts to have really big feelings because Declan had put the tomato sauce on top of her eggs <sighs> rather than, and, or, and some had gotten on the plate and it was just, sauce was just supposed to be on the eggs. <laughs> she was just melting down. And I just, I just picked her up and I was carrying her around as I was getting ready for work, making my coffee. And I was making jokes with her saying like, I really just wanted like just little silly things like saying, I'm going to just put you up in, in my bag and I'll be able to take you to work. And she was starting to laugh and we had that connection. And then it wasn't until those moments that we reflected on something. I realized that I wouldn't have been able to do that. Like as I was getting ready for work and in that zone with my mental to-do list, and if everybody, the chaos had been happening and she'd started melting down, I've just been like, okay, bye. <laughs> I have to go. I have to be there at, on time eight. I've got to go. Um, but, I, yeah, I was running. I ran 10 minutes late for work and it was fine and it just had a completely different feel. I felt really different, like, in that situation and I was able to show up differently. And it's not that every time, but I was sort of like, is this the start of a non-cognitive shift? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. I was expecting like the sunlight to like shine down <laughs> and I would get the halo. Um, but oh, you got to pay extra for that. <laughs> yeah, that's an added benefit, but uh, yeah, it comes extra. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here, both of you. It's been such an honor to, to walk this journey with you and see the, the ways that you've worked together to really embody the things that have always been important to you all along, right? And to, to really bring that alignment with your values and the ways you're actually showing up with your kids every day, as imperfectly as we all do, because we're all human, we're, we're going to mess things up. But to see you, to make that transformation has really been a real privilege for me. So thank you so much for being here and sharing your story. Yeah, and we would just love to thank you so much because I think that, as I said, we wouldn't have been able to turn some of these corners without some of that guidance specifically from you. And, that, and definitely that, I think that coaching call was such an impactful moment for us, really. So, yeah, we just want to thank you for like all of the work that you do and how you show up in all these different spaces. Thank you so much. So our work together has helped Sarah to relax as a parent of three, which is no small feat. The things that used to destabilize her really don't do that as much anymore. Things are a little easier with their children and things are a lot easier in Sarah and Declan's marriage. Of course, it's easier to do this work when you're both involved and you both commit to spending the time on your relationship and on your children. But we live in a patriarchal society where caring for the children and learning about child development and bettering yourself so you can be a better parent is women's work, which means that it's inherently less valuable than the things that men spend their time doing, like paid work and watching sports and working in the garden. If you're female identifying, it isn't your responsibility to fix a marriage where you're having communication challenges, because really that's just an extension of a patriarchal relationship, where the woman's job in a heterosexual relationship is to make everyone feel better. As much as you might like to do something to get your partner to see things your way, that's not really going to work in the long run. They may well be looking for someone to get you to see things from their perspective. But that doesn't mean that there's nothing you can do. Far from it. In fact, the parents I've worked with have found that curiosity is an incredibly important tool. Just as when our children are doing things that drive us up the wall, curiosity helps us to understand why are they doing this thing? What need are they trying to meet? Our partners are trying to meet their needs too. And when we can approach our partners with curiosity, we can make a lot more progress. So we might try asking them, what was growing up like for you? What things from the way you were raised do you want to carry through with our children? What do you not want to replicate? Did you ever feel scared of your parents? Did you ever hide anything from your parents? What's important to you? What values do you want to express through the way we're living our lives together? It's highly likely that you're going to find discrepancies here. And if you pounce on those as a gotcha, then things may not go well. But if you can gently point out, I hear you saying that this is an important value of yours, but I've noticed we often do that when we're interacting with our child. 
I wonder if we should think about doing things differently if we want to be more aligned with your values. My husband was taking on board like suggestions and everything. And it's really great to see that most of the tools that we learned, we are really applying today in day-to-day -day life. Uh, for instance, like two weeks ago, my husband came and told me like, I'm so proud. <laughs> he was getting frustrated uh, because my little one was in a playful state. Uh, she wanted to undo the bed sheets he was doing. Uh, and after a while, <laughs> he started being frustrated, but he, he stopped, he realized he's getting frustrated. He stopped, took a big, deep breath, came down to her level and, and asked her like, do you need a hug? She said, yes, they had like really nice connecting a long hug. And after that, she was happily helping him straighten the bed sheets and <laughs> set up the bed. Uh, so it's just nice to see and hear all this stuff happening now. Parenting membership is now open for enrollment, but only until midnight Pacific on Wednesday, May 15th. We have sliding scale pricing and a 100% money back guarantee. Join now to get access to everything you need to make the change that you want to see in your family life at yourparentingmojo.com forward slash parenting membership. In the parenting membership, we spend the entire second month on parenting as a team and figuring out where we really want to be aligned and where it's okay to have different perspectives. And the third month, understanding what values we have and bringing our interactions with our children into better alignment with those values. Because when you're on the same team and you're both rowing in the same direction towards some shared values, parenting gets a whole lot easier. If you need some help making that happen, I would love to see you in the parenting membership. Enrollment is open right now and you can sign up with no commitment. We have sliding scale pricing and a money back guarantee. Join before doors close for the year on Wednesday, May 17th. Just go to yourparentingmojo.com forward slash parenting membership to learn more and sign up. Hi, this is Jess from Verulis, Panama. I'm a Your Parenting Mojo fan, and I hope you enjoy this show as much as I do. If you found this episode especially enlightening or useful, you can also donate to help Jen produce more content like this and also save us from those interminable mattress ads then you can do that and also subscribe on the link that Jen just mentioned. And don't forget to head to yourparentingmojo.com to record your own message for the show.